After finishing up the regular season with two straight wins, Purdue is on to the Big Ten tournament, then the NCAA. The Boilermakers held on to beat Illinois Sunday, winning in the last minute after leading by two dozen in the second half. Now it's either Rutgers or Michigan in Chicago in the Big Ten tournament Friday. Kyle Charter is here with Mike Carmen to talk some hoops. We'll talk football with Tom Deanhardt. That is well on Gold and Black Radio, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Carm, Purdue gets a couple of victories last week. He gets to celebrate the Big Ten championship on its home court uh, on Sunday afternoon with the confetti and, and all of that on senior day. After a after an interesting game against Illinois, one of the more unusual games I think you'll probably ever see. Purdue gets a 24-point lead, then uh, sees the game get tied there in the last minute before uh, pulling away for the victory. Uh, Purdue has won three of four, uh, carries a little bit of momentum here into the postseason. How do you feel about where the Boilermakers are at? Well, I mean, you don't like to see a 24-point lead go away, but you also can't ignore the good things that happened in the game that allowed them to get a 24-point lead. Yes, you have yeah. to hang on to that lead in some fashion. You can't see it all disappear. Uh, they were they were in danger of potentially losing that game. And, um, you know, with everything wrapped up, it wouldn't have affected the Big Ten, but it probably would have affected their mental psyche a little bit going yeah. into the Big Ten tournament. But you win the game, you make plays at the end, you hit free throws again, just like they did at Wisconsin. You know, their their defense from a getting in the passing lane standpoint. I mean, when two guys combined for seven steals, uh, yeah, Illinois was a little careless with the ball, but Purdue took advantage of those situations and really got out in transition. And that's something that is probably not what makes this Purdue team go. I mean, when you watched it all year, it's not been a big get out in transition team. Uh, but Sunday they were able to do that because of the steals that helped them build the lead. You know, they went, you know, five minutes with Zach Eady on the bench and they outscored Illinois by 16. So there, you know, there are things in there that you like that can really help them when they get in the postseason, but you do have to take care of the ball. You do have to make some, make some shots uh, in the second half to kind of slow the momentum of the other team. But it's just, it's just part of what basketball is today. There's not a lot of separation between teams in the big 10 and nationally. So I, I think you're going to, I think you're going to see this. You, I think we've seen this all year. I think it's going to yeah. get magnified once you get in the postseason. And the other thing about the Big Ten yesterday, all the dogs covered. I mean, there were six. I mean, seven games this weekend, and all the dogs covered. Hmm. So I think that's another sign of just how how compact this league is. Not, I mean, we already knew that when you look at the standings, but you know, I think it kind of bodes well for a lot of close games coming up uh, this weekend in Chicago. Whenever there's a game that happens like Sunday, I'm always intrigued by the question. <laughs> and you just, maybe you started to answer it there a little bit or did answer it. Like, which is more significant? The fact that a team has gained the lead or the fact that they let the lead slip? Like, I, I feel like sometimes we lose the fact that Purdue gained a 24-point lead. Uh, 
that's pretty significant. <laughs> and, and sometimes we focus too much on the fact that they let the lead slip. But man, to be if, if Purdue played every game the rest of the year, like it played on Sunday, uh, that would be a pretty good result for Purdue. It would be if, if Illinois was your opponent. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the <laughs> other factor in this. Illinois, you know, every opponent is different and not every team's going to give you the opportunities that Illinois gave you. Uh, they don't, as I said, I don't, they're, they're careless with the basketball and it showed they've been wildly inconsistent all year. They're wildly inconsistent in games, but whoever they play on Friday, whether Rutgers or Michigan is not Illinois, they're right. different teams. So you're not going to get maybe the same benefit. Yes. Uh, fans and people tend to lose their mind when you blow a 24 point lead, which, okay, I get it, but I think you also have to just take a step back. And as I said earlier, don't ignore what they did to get the lead. Yeah. Uh, you know, Purdue showed a lot of good things in getting that lead. Uh, you want to see them finish it all the way out, but they did win the game. I think they do. I, th- I think they feel better about themselves going into the tournament after winning two in a row after they're losing four out of six stretch mm-hmm. uh, because of how, how they were able to close out the game. You know, they close out a road game at Wisconsin, and granted, Wisconsin's not a great team, but you hit free throws, and then you hit free throws again on Sunday to do it. So there, there's there's things that I think that they can take into the Big Ten tournament, knowing that when they get in a close game, and it's not if they get in a close game, it's when they get in a close game, because that's what has happened all year, in my opinion. They've they've been in a lot of close games. They've won They've won some, they've lost some. But that moment is not going, I don't believe, is going to be too big for them. And now you're getting contributions from some different guys that you haven't gotten all year. Brandon Newman, Trey Kaufman's has been pretty steady the last month or so. So you're, you're, you become a little bit more well, well-rounded uh, over the course of the last month. And I think something like that will, should help you uh, in the postseason. You mentioned Brandon Newman. It was about a year ago that he showed back up. Uh, on the scene in the Big Ten tournament and and broke out then. Uh, obviously, he's been, you know, a big part of the rotation all this year. But, man, he has played the last few games really well. Uh, maybe had one of his best all-around games uh, on Sunday, shooting the ball, playing defense, rebounding, all of those things. I mean, if he if he is – if he's tuned in and he's playing defense and rebounding, and able to stay out on the court like he did on Sunday, he can be a real game changer for Purdue. He certainly was in the win against Illinois. Uh, yes. And, you know, it all starts for him on the defensive end. Now, if you go back a year, two years ago, what was Brandon Newman's game? It was all about shooting. It was all about offense. If he didn't make shots, he, he really didn't contribute. Now it's, it's reversed. He's flipped his own script where, he has, you know, if he does stuff defensively, it leads to other things. And it, we've seen the steals lead to transition baskets for him. We've lead, we saw the steals yesterday lead to, uh, you know, a three-point shot for him. It, it gets him into the game. And what, whether that's maturity or whether Matt Painter put on the chalkboard, you must play defense to be on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it was, whatever switch that he's flipped, it's working for him, and I think he's more in tune defensively than he ever has been. I, he's he's always been that guy that you looked at and say he can be 
the team's best perimeter defender. But it never really happened because I think he was more focused on his offense. And again, I just it, it might just be a maturity thing. He's older. He understands uh, how he needs to stay on the floor and what he needs to do to help this team. And the other thing is his teammates really, really like him. Yeah. There's, there's a genuine caring factor for him. I think in part because of some of the struggles he's had on his own during his career where he's, you know, he, you know, last year he's not even getting in the rotation, but the way that he has hung in there and stayed strong and just didn't bail on everybody and get in the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff has really, I think, galvanized this team a little bit. It, it doesn't mean they're going to hit shots. It doesn't mean they're not, you know, they're going to make plays. It's just, there's a connection with this team. And I think Brandon Newman's kind of a, a big reason why he's a bit of a rallying point for this club. Yeah. And just listening to the, listening to his teammates talk about him, I think really comes out and it, it you know, it makes you really appreciate kind of how together this team is. And again, it doesn't guarantee anything for them, but it won't be a reason why they would fall short or, or lose a game. It, you know, it, it can only enhance them in the postseason. Yeah. So Purdue will play on Friday afternoon against uh, either Rutgers or Michigan. That Rutgers-Michigan game on, on Thursday is probably – I mean, it might be. Rutgers maybe could still get in, but for Michigan, uh, you know, an elimination – NCAA tournament elimination game, the loser might be out. Um, and the winner might have to be Purdue, too, to, to secure itself a spot, though Rutgers might have – a little bit of an edge. Um, whichever team Purdue plays on Friday, that will be a pretty interesting matchup, uh, for, probably for different reasons for each team. Um, you know, considering, you know, if it's Rutgers, Purdue, a little bit of the revenge factor there for the last couple of seasons. You know, if it's, if it's Michigan, um, you know, the Wolverines probably needing more victories this week to get themselves into the NCAA tournament. Regardless who they face, they're going to face a desperate team. Yeah, and you've got to match that desperation if you want to advance the Big Ten tournament, and you can, or you can go to the underlying effect here is how much does the Big Ten tournament mean to Purdue from a national seed standpoint? Yeah, you know they're still in the conversation for a number one seed, whether they get it or not. You know, I I don't know right now, but uh, you're gonna you're gonna face a desperate team. You know, Rutgers maybe hanging on to the bubble. But if they can beat Michigan and Purdue, they're going to feel a lot better about themselves. I think Michigan has to get on a run. Yeah. And not only have to beat Rutgers, they have to beat Purdue, and then they have to beat whoever is in the semifinals. They probably got to get to the championship game to feel decent about their chances. And I think Michigan's got the individual talent to do that. And we've seen previous Michigan teams do the same thing. So that's the thing with Purdue. You've got to match the desperation. You've got to match the intensity that both of those teams are going to come out with, and they are different teams. I mean, they, you know, Rutgers wants to make it a rock fight. Yeah. You know, Michigan wants to use its athletic ability to, to outskill you and do, do some other things. And, you know, when Purdue played Michigan before, Jet Howard didn't play. And, you know, they won by five. Now, Rutgers has suffered a big loss over the last couple of weeks, which really has affected their offense. Um, but, yeah, regardless, you know, Purdue's just got to be in a good mental state to to play that game. And then, again, 
um, how much energy do you want to expend in this tournament, knowing that you've got the, the NCAA uh, again? I, I think all these guys are competitors, and those things kind of leave your mind once the ball tips off. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's a, you know, Purdue could really establish itself as a, as a solid number one seed by going, you know, by advancing a few games in this tournament. Uh, but you know it's going to be it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough road for for anybody because you know, all these teams are just so bunched together that you know who knows I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State is sitting in the semifinals on Saturday right uh, wouldn't be I mean I just I, you just you just don't know I mean Penn State could get this extremely hot from the three point line and they're sitting there on Saturday in the semifinals as well so or it could be Purdue and Indiana in the finals. You know, who knows? But Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, yeah. who knows? You can get good odds on those teams if you want to back them. <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah I, it'll be interesting with Purdue because, you know, you, you do – I mean, like you said, once the ball goes up, uh, everybody's competitive. I, I do think there's something with teams that are desperate <laughs> that yeah. gives them just a little – just a little bit more um, – but but for the Boilermakers, I, I do think, you know, they're they're borderline one, two. It, it seems like right now, at least, I know there's a week left of the season for a lot of teams. A lot of teams will be playing other good teams. But, you know, it seems like there's there's some debate, uh, Purdue versus UCLA for that last one spot. So, and I, I do think there's a difference between being a one and a two um, when it comes to draws. Yeah, I mean, your path uh, is, is supposed to be better. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the question you want to, you know, the question that gets out there now is, do you want to be the last one and be sent to New York or Vegas? Or do you want to be the first number two and be in Louisville? Right. My my answer to that is, well, who are you playing? <laughs> That's, you know, what's the matchup? You may have a better matchup as a two seed going through the 7-10 and whoever else. And then the three as opposed to being one and then playing an eight, nine, and then maybe a four yeah. or whatever. So it, it, it just all depends on the matchup. If you want to, you want to be close to home. And if you want to um, make sure your fans can get to your game and you're not, it's not a burden travel wise on the team, then yeah, you want to be in Louisville. That's, that's where you want to be. Uh, but out West may be a better situation because of the matchups. It just, it all depends. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the number one seed, there's a prestige element with it. Purdue hasn't been a number one seed since 1996. Since it nearly lost. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, you know, Painter Center last week, it, it shows the advancement of your program. It shows, like, being ranked number one last year and again this year. You know, it shows just you're continuing to make progress as a program. And if you get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, there's more evidence and proof there that you can show people, show recruits or whatever, uh, or a transfer portal guy at some point to say, this is, this is where our program is at. And, you know, this is how we, you know, can help you. So it's, it's a prestige thing. Uh, but you know, the other thing, I mean, Alabama's kind of fallen off a little bit and who knows if they can get their, their mojo back. There's, as everyone knows, there's a lot of uncertainty around that program. Uh, so, I mean, it, again, it just comes down to matchups. I don't have a high level of confidence that Alabama, e- even if they are number one, is going to make it very far in the tournament yeah. based, based on how they're playing. So, 
maybe getting in their bracket would be better. But, you know, who knows? you got to go play once they tell you who to play and then go from there. Have fun in the United Center. Say hi to the uh, MJ statue for me. Will do. Thank you. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Tom Dean Heard about football. That's next. This is Golden Black Radio. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Sand Valley is hosting its annual Brews and Brats Festival March 17th through 19th. Get in early and enjoy a complimentary sampler flight and snacks before the Brewmaster Dinner Friday night hosted by New Glarus. Saturday afternoon features a self-guided beer tour from Wisconsin and Greater Midwest Breweries, complete with snacks, games, and live music by the Jason McNabb Duo. Get your tickets today by calling 877-347-2402 or by visiting Sand Valley Pursuits front slash events front slash SV dash bruise brats. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. Kyle Charters here with Tom Deanhart on Gold and Black Radio. Uh, hello, Tom. Hey, my friend. Always good talking to you, Kyle. You're a good man, and uh, you know you're <laughs> pretty athletic, so I always love sharing memories with you and talking about current events. You know that. Uh, well, I appreciate that, Tom. And let's talk a little bit of current events with football. Uh, maybe the big news over the weekend, Jordan King, an offensive lineman, commits to the Boilermakers. He becomes the second commitment in uh ryan walter's 2024 class always nice to, to grab some offensive linemen uh certainly what he's like six big kids six four mm-hmm. three ten something like that uh seems like a good commitment for the boilermakers yeah you're right nobody knows for sure we, we got to be honest with ourselves but this guy seemingly checks a lot of the boxes right um you talked about the size six four six five over 300 pounds uh athletic too i'm told i just spoke to his head coach this morning ben johnson at Northside high school in fort wayne and he's a three sport athlete plays basketball so that ought to tell you something yeah in the spring of course he does the, the shot in the disc and uh so yeah again a big guy who's got some athleticism and and as you would suspect the coach had a lot of good things to say about the kid uh, as a person too so you know he had some nice offers kyle 
some uh, Big Ten offers, a lot of MAC offers. I'm sure his interest would have picked up had he continued to be recruited. But just a nice addition to this 2024 class for Purdue. And like you said, Kyle, he's the second commitment back in January. As a reminder, Purdue got a commitment from Franklin Central cornerback Hadari Hines. So that's two guys in this class, and it's going to be fun to see uh, Ryan Walters and this staff, this youthful staff, sort of try to work some recruiting magic here. It, it, it does seem like the the new staff is is making an impact, right? I mean, it, it feels like there's good chatter. I mean, you see a lot on on Twitter, guys, you know, talking about offers. Uh, you know, you've heard mm-hmm. some behind-the-scenes chatter that, you know, it seems like uh, a coaching staff that's able to make good connections um, with guys and maybe the, the, the fact that they're young has something to do with that. It seems like an energetic group. Do right? you get that vibe as well? Oh, there's no doubt. Like you said, uh, anybody who follows these guys on social media sees how active they are, how engaging they are. Um, I think the average age of the staff is like 38 years old. You know, guys like Corey Patterson, Lamar Kennard, Matt Maddox, Joe Deneen, Grant O'Brien. I mean, these are young guys, for the most part, um, that are bringing a lot of energy and juice to the to the proceedings. So, yeah, well, again, we'll see where it goes. They had a lot of kids in. For visits this weekend, Kyle, over 20, upwards of 30 guys, some 20, 25 guys made the trip as well to visit campus this weekend. So more guys um, to sort of check out the digs. Back in January, Kyle, they had a big junior day. A lot of kids checked out campus that day. And and, as, and when spring football kicks off here on March 21st, a lot of these guys are going to be back on campus on their own just to kind of watch practices and whatnot. So yeah. – there's still going to be a lot going on, as you know, having covered some of this stuff in the past. Possibility Purdue could get its quarterback commitment soon, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Like I said, I'm not sure how quick. The, the kid everybody's sort of eyeballing is Marcos Davila. He was one of the visitors this weekend, a four-star recruit from Midland, Texas, famous Lee High School, 6'3", 215. Kyle, I'm told he has, quote, a hose for a right arm. <laughs> he was a TC. He was a TCU commitment at one point with Sonny Dykes. I have to say they had a they had an offensive coordinator change, uh, and that sort of caused the, the the change in directions for TCU and Marcos. So, yeah, I, I, this would be a great get if Purdue can get this this kid, Kyle. Uh, the connection for the Boilermakers is Graham Harrell. When Graham was at West Virginia last year. He was recruiting Marcos. And they've always stayed in touch, and he's, he was able to rekindle that relationship once Marcos decommitted from Texas Christian just last week. Again, for, for him to come to Purdue this quick, I think, kind of tells you a little something about yeah. his interest. We could have gone to a lot of places, and he hits Purdue right out of the gate. So, yeah, Marcos Davila, he's a guy to watch. He's supposed to talk to Marcos today, hopefully get something on the site soon thereafter. So, yeah, that's a kid to watch. As you know, too, Kyle, quarterbacks – they usually like to commit early, and uh, that would be a nice feather in this early recruiting class for the Boilermakers if, if they could reel in a commitment from him. Yeah, no doubt. It's always nice to get that uh, quarterback commitment uh, early and then hang on to them, which is always uh, part of the challenge <laughs> yeah. as well, uh, especially these days. Uh, guys going from guys who are coming to Purdue or potentially to those uh, leaving Purdue, uh, NFL Combine uh, completed for the five Purdue representatives down in Indianapolis, uh, it seems like those guys did pretty well for themselves. It's always difficult to tell. I mean, you're just looking at numbers, 
But Corey Trice ran well, which was sort of the thing to watch for the big uh, Purdue uh, cornerback. Um, you know, what else? I, you know, Aiden O'Connell seemed to throw the ball well. He didn't run, which is not shocking. I don't think he would. <laughs> I think he, that's not his strength. Um, but it seemed like it was a good week. And then with Pro Day coming up this week as well, right? Yeah, you're right. It's always hard to tell. Uh, guys running around in shorts and T-shirts, a lot of people look good. Yeah. In those circumstances. But you mentioned Corey Trice, Kyle. That's the one guy I think who may have helped himself the most out of these five Boilermakers. Um, I think there was some question uh, on how fast he was going to run the 40. And he certainly squashed those questions. I think he had a, a four four at one point, I believe. Yeah. And Kyle, you got the, you got that type of speed with a kid who's six foot three, two hundred fifteen pound cornerback. I mean, if he's healthy, and there are still some concerns, I think. Remember back in 2021, he only played two games. Yeah, I believe it was a knee injury. So, I know they, I'm sure they checked him out thoroughly. If all his medicals check out too, this is a guy who could maybe shoot up some draft boards. Um, as you know, there's four or five positions the NFL covets. Of course, quarterback. Of course, you want to have a defensive end and edge rusher who can bring the heat. You want a good left offensive tackle. And you want to shut down cornerback and Trice obviously is, is the latter. So again, that's a guy who really may have helped himself. And like you said, March 9th, this Thursday, pro day at Purdue. We'll see how many guys work out. Uh, will all these guys turn right back around Kyle and come to West Lafayette and do the same drills? Uh, maybe they will. So we'll see some other guys more into the combine workout as well. Probably guys like Reese Taylor and Bryce Hampton as well. Uh, Charlie Jones seemed to have a good week too. I mean, I, I you know, I think, yeah, Chuck was a little beat up most of last year and probably sapped him of a little bit of speed late in the season, especially. But he seemed to run really well uh, also and maybe show back off that speed that he has when he's healthy. Yeah, anybody watched the combine, it may have been on social media, too. But when he ran that first 40, there was actual an audible cheer uh, from the crowd there uh, for, for Charlie Jones being more of a local guy, obviously. So. You're right. He wasn't really healthy at all last year, Kyle. I was always told he didn't even get to West Lafayette healthy. And it was a battle all season to get him to, to game days. Uh, he missed the senior bowl. He sat out the senior bowl, I'm told, because of a toe injury. Hmm. So uh, he looked pretty good Saturday. Like I said, he's, he's, he's about 5'10", five 5'11", five a little taller than you think. We all knew he was fast. We all know he can catch the football. So uh, I'd be shocked if he isn't at the very least a late-round draft choice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right. That'll do it for our show for Mike Harmon and Tom Deanhart. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio.